I want to read Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 25. Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth with a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or been his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him as less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? The workman melteth the graven image, and the, golds the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out their heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity." You may be seated. God bless you. Good morning and greetings in our Savior's precious name. This morning, it's a pleasure to be here and worship with you, although I must say the flesh would rather be sitting back there and listening to, uh, I think I heard it was Nate Bang's turn perhaps today. I would also like to extend greetings from our home congregation, Faith Haven. Um, if you ever make your way to Holmes County and need a place to worship, you can feel free to 
join us there. And I also would like to uh, thank Dave and his graciousness over the past few years. I know different ones of you had asked, well, when are you going to preach here? It wasn't for a lack of Dave not asking, but he was gracious enough to uh, let me off. You know, when, it, when you come home to mom and dad, sometimes it's just nice to have a break, and especially when there's family around, and he was very gracious in that. Um, thank you, Dave, for reading the scripture here in Isaiah chapter 40. We see here the omnipotence of God, God's all-powerful, all-knowing, the title of my message this morning is three words. The fear of God. I don't know what you think about when you think of God. I would like to talk about God for a little bit. And then we will talk about fear and the fear of God. And I have five points um, under fear that we would like to touch on. One is we want to see how men in the Bible responded in the fear of God. And then we're going to look at how fear motivates us and how fear produces submission and obedience. How fear produces holiness and how fear prompts us for the service to God. So backing up a little bit and thinking about God, what comes to your mind when you think about God? He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. To some of you, He's a loving God. He's a caring God. He's a personal God to you. And to others, perhaps some of us in here, we're scared of God. We want to run when we hear his name. And if that's the case, my prayer is this morning, until we're done here, that you want to draw nigh to God. We see here in Isaiah, in verse 9, it says, Behold your God. Can you behold God this morning? Let's do that. Verse 12, we'll zero in on that one a little bit. It says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in the scales and the hills in a balance? This morning, I'll be first to say, I can't comprehend God. If you look at this verse, it's mind-boggling. He says he measured the waters in the palm of his hands. In the palm of his hands. 71% of the earth's surface is covered with water. There are approximately 326 million cubic miles of water here on earth. And he measured it out in his palm. Or we can convert it to gallons, approximately 326 million trillion gallons of water. But it don't stop there. He says he measured the heavens in a span. That's the distance from my index finger to the tip of my thumb. He measured the heavens. And I'm not an astronomer, but I believe currently to man, to the current edge of the universe as we know it, is 46 billion light years. And the diameter of our galaxy as we know it is 91 billion light years. So we'll break it down a little more. Light travels at approximately 6 trillion miles per year. 
or the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, or it is 670,616,629 miles per hour, or in other words, you could go around the earth seven and a half times per second. So that's our God. He measured that distance in a span. But yet, what makes it so difficult for me to understand sometimes is he's that loving God. He knows the very hairs on your head, but yet he can measure something of that great a distance. And then he measured the dust of the earth in a measure. He weighed it on a scales. And it goes on to say here in Isaiah how the nations, the nations here on earth, are as dust on his scales. How many of you, when you go to step on the scales to see what you weigh, worry about dusting it off before you step on because you don't want that extra weight? We don't worry about that dust. But God is saying the nations are as that dust on the scales. We also see in here that man, as though he is grass, he withers away. His beauty decays like the flower of the field at the breath of our Lord He weighed the mountains and the hills in a balance. The balance on his scales is big enough to balance it out when the mountains and the hills are on it. He holds the breath, your breath, in his hand. It says that in Daniel. It goes on to say, who counseled God? Who did he consult? Who gave him his understanding? Who taught him justice? Who taught him knowledge? And who showed him the way of understanding? So this morning, to whom will you liken God? To whom will you compare God? Are you going to liken him to an idol that man creates? I hope not. To whom will you compare him? He never grows weary. His wisdom is unsearchable. May I dare say, we live in a day and age where we have cheapened who God is. People, man, has brought God down, if I may, may dare say it, to God is your buddy. He's more than our buddy. He is God. He is God of the universe. The Lord spoke the command and the world was made. The breath of his mouth created the breath from his mouth created everything in the heavens. Psalms 33, 6. From the breath of his mouth, he created the heavens. In Revelations, we have an account where he's holding seven stars in his right hand. The smallest star is 20% bigger than Jupiter. The smallest star known to man, I should say, is 20% bigger than Jupiter. And Jupiter is 11 times the diameter of the Earth. You could fit approximately 1,300 Earths into Jupiter. And now our God is holding seven of these stars in his right hand. Declare his glory among the heathen. His marvelous works among the nations, all nations, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. 
Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. God is to be feared above all gods. Lowercase g. So that's just a brief glimpse of God and who he is. He's the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the redeemer. He is the I am. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He is a God of mercy. He is a God that is loving, but he is also a God of justice. So now, Let's think a little bit about fear. The definition of fear. An unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. That's how we use fear in one context. And then another is profound reverence and awe, especially towards God. And in the Bible, we see it in both Hebrew and Greek where fear sometimes has the connotation of that moral reverence. And then it's also used where it is something that's dreadful or a tear or afraid, exceeding fearful. We have commands to fear the Lord. A few verses. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt serve ye the Lord. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him, and cleave unto him. The fear of the Lord is not about keeping our distance from God, but about drawing near to him. So we see here, we have some commands to fear God, and to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. So for our first point, let's look at some men who responded in fear to God. In Isaiah, we won't turn there for sake of time, but Isaiah has a vision of God. And Isaiah's response there was, woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And so are the folks around me. And as the angel there reached out and touched his lips with a hot coal, and they were asking, God's asking, who he can send? Isaiah says, here am I, send me. 
It's by God's grace that we can say that. Here am I, send me. Then Daniel's vision, when he had the vision of God, he fell prostrate to the ground. He was frightened. And as God reached out and touched him, he stood straight up. And then John's vision. I think we will turn there in Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1. We see here the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple that Jesus asked to take care of his mother. He walked with Jesus when he was here on this earth as a man. They were good friends. They were best friends, we might say. Now, we see here John sees a vision of the glorified Lord. So we'll jump in at verse 9 in Revelations chapter 1 and read through verse 18. I, John, also, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they had burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys to hell and death. So we see here John's response to a glorified Christ. John walked with Jesus when he was here on this earth, just like you and I interact together. And when John saw this, he fell at his feet as dead. When we respond in the fear of God, our only logical response is to fall at his feet as dead. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that the tongue and, a, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow someday.
So fear, a proper response in fear is falling at Jesus' feet. Now as we think of fear, the fear of God, and how it should motivate us. Abraham. Again, a very familiar story. We won't turn there for a lack of time. But Abraham was a man who trusted God. He was human like you and I. God promised to bless him and to increase his descendants like the stars of the heavens. He actually told Abraham to go out and to look up into the sky. And he said, if you can count the stars, you can count your descendants. And it says, Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham probably had to think, God, how are you going to do this? Because I'm growing older and we've not been able to have any children up to this time. But yet Abraham believed. And then we come to chapter 12 in Genesis after Isaac was born. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to test your faith. He tells Abraham, I want you to go now, it says, and offer your son Isaac. Abraham, it says he rose up early. It don't say the next morning. But I believe that God talked to Abraham and he said, you know what, I will go. And I think he rose up early the next morning to go carry out what God asked him to do. He didn't mess around. He knew that God was asking him to do this and he knew he wanted to obey. So they go on their journey. He takes two of his servants. He takes his son. They take the wood and they take the fire. And as they get closer to Mount Moriah, Abraham tells his two servants to stay here and I and the lad, I and Isaac, will go over yonder and make our sacrifice. I don't know what was going through Abraham's head. I don't know what was going through Isaac's mind. But I had to think about it for myself. If God would be asking me to do that, how would I explain it to my son? How would I do it? So we all know the story. They go, they get to Mount Moriah, they build the altar, they lay the wood on the altar, and then he lays his son on the altar. And then he stretches out his hand with the knife. And God says, Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. Now I know that you love me. And it says there that Abraham did all this because he feared God. This morning, how much do you fear God? Will it motivate you to make whatever sacrifice God asks you to do? It may not be laying your son on the altar, but it may be laying that struggle on the altar, that bad habit. You know, it's so easy to see something in someone else's life and say it's sin. And then when that same thing's in our own life, we just say it's a struggle. But the fear of God will prompt us, will motivate us to sacrifice whatever that is. Job, he was a man who feared God. 
Satan comes on the scene and says, God, Job fears you. He obeys you because you put a hedge around him. You gave him everything a man could want. He has a wife. He has children. He has lots of things, lots of cattle, lots of goods. God says, no, he fears me because he loves me. He respects me. So God, we all know the story, how God allows Satan to tempt Job. And in all that Job went through, he did not do any evil. It actually says he avoided evil. He ran from it. The fear of God will motivate us to run from evil. And then Noah. Noah was living in a difficult time. God had created the earth, men, male and female. And it says there that man had grown wicked. And it repented the Lord that he had made man. And he says, you know what? I'm going to annihilate all men, are all males, females, all human beings, all life, really, because he says the beasts and the fowl of the air. But then he found Noah, who found grace and favor in his eyes. It says Noah was righteous, blameless, and he walked with God. Think of Noah and all the criticism he faced, building this big boat, and it wasn't near any big body of water to my assumptions. A boat that's approximately 400 feet long, 45 feet high and 75 feet wide. Imagine if Dave would start building a big boat out here and you'd ask him, how are you going to float it? And he'd say, well, there's this worldwide flood coming. You think Noah faced ridicule? You think he faced challenges? Absolutely. But in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah moved in the fear of God. God said it, and he knew it would happen. And he did it. It didn't matter what man says. In Proverbs it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the opposite of evil. Point number three, fear produces obedience and submission. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Ephesians 5, 21. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you and I truly have the fear of God, we will deny ourselves. We will take up our cross. And through that, we will obey and we will submit. Because when we truly fear God, it's not about what Charles thinks. It's about what God thinks and what I can do 
to honor and glorify him. Think of Saul when he went to fight the Amalekites. God told him to go destroy everything. All man, all cattle, everything. But Saul goes, destroys all the people besides King Agag, and he brings back the best cattle and some other goods. You think he feared God? No, not enough. Because he didn't carry out what God asked him to do. Then Samuel. God asked him to go talk to Saul. Says he cried all night. But yet he went and talked to Saul. Not an easy job to go talk to the king of the nation. And tell him what God thought about what he had done. May we fear God and it will produce obedience and submission. If Saul would have truly feared God in the way he should have, he would have annihilated all the Amalekites, all the humans, and all the animals. Then Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 10 speaks about discipline here. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every man whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastening, whereof? All are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our own flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. We see here how God disciplines us for our good. And the only way we can be partakers in his holiness is if we allow him to discipline us. The fear of God will allow him. The fear of God in us will allow God to discipline us. And we will welcome that discipline. We will see the good that it produces. I would rather be under the discipline of God than be not disciplined and just be a bastard as it says here. But are we willing to let God mold us and shape us? If we truly view God for who he is, we will allow him to do that. And then we see fear produces holiness. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. We'll read just a few verses there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath 
the temple of God with idols. For ye are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Our holiness will become more perfected if we truly fear God. God's asking us to come out and be separated unto him. To dwell And as we're separated unto him, he will dwell among us. He will be our God. He will be our father. And we can be his sons and daughters. We can't serve two masters. We can't have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. It does not work. God will have no competing glories. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Without holiness, we will not see God. So may we perfect our holiness. Fear motivates service for God. Hebrews chapter 12 again. We'll read just a few verses there. Verses 25 through 29. Hebrews chapter 12. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. May we serve God acceptably with reverence and fear. So as we fear God and have a reverence for him, we will want to serve him. Speaking here about the old covenant and the new covenant in chapter 12. And when the covenant was given there at Mount Sinai, we see how the Israelites and Moses, they feared and trembled as God descended onto the mountain and as he was on the mountain. And they were not supposed to touch the mountain. If they did, they would die. Even Moses said he feared. And then it goes on to say, even in the new covenant, the new dispensation, if they feared God in the old one, we should so much more fear God today in the new covenant, in the new dispensation. This morning, are you serving God with a reverence and a fear, a godly fear? We need to take heed lest we fall in the desert like the children of Israel did. If we think of the children of Israel when they had a healthy reverence and awe for God, that 
healthy fear. They obeyed God. It was when they forgot God that they fell, when they lost their fear of God is when they failed. Even Paul, the patriarch that he was, he says he lived in fear. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul was mindful here that he wanted to remain in subjection to Christ. He wanted to remain humble in his service to Christ. We are all created equal. The flesh likes to rise up within us. And we like to serve ourselves. But God can truly use us when we fall prostrate at his feet as dead. And say, here am I. And in conclusion this morning, may we all behold our God. Who are you going to compare God to? Who will you liken him to? The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. What a beautiful picture. Our God is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. And he is plenteous in mercy. But let's not forget, he will not always keep his anger. He is a just God. And he also remembers that we are human. We are created from dust. Without him, it's not possible. But with him, everything is possible. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he spare not thee. If he didn't spare the natural branches, he won't spare those of us that were grafted in and then fell away as well. Our fear needs to be birthed out of the knowledge of his character. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty, the whole duty of man. I like a quote uh, by Oswald Chambers, and I quote, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. End of quote. Let's bow our Let's kneel for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you this morning's hour. Father, we want to behold you as God. And may we be careful to whom we liken you and to whom we compare you. 
May we remember that you are the first and the last. You are the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer. May we honor you and glorify you. And Father, may we have a healthy fear of you. May we respect you and reverence you and be in awe of you. And Father, as we truly fear you, we will be motivated to sacrifice on the altar whatever we have to in order to please you and in order to honor you. May we be found blameless and righteous in your eyes. Father, may we be obedient. May we be submissive. May we be holy. And may we be filled with acts of service to show your love to the world around us and to show them that you truly care and that you are a loving God and that you are a just God. Father, I just pray a special blessing on each one that's here. Father, may we apply what we have heard to our lives to become better followers of you. We just pray this in your worthy name. Amen.